0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. First off, thank you, uh, Daniel Newton. Uh, I hope uh, today you all have enjoyed a great session in worshipping the Lord. Now, it is truly an honour for me to be back here to preach unto you all this morning. In fact, I must say that I am very honoured by Pastor Mike's invitation. And I would like all of you to join me in thanking him in the chat box for giving me, uh, a young minister like me, the opportunity to preach on Holy Communion Sunday. Therefore, can I ask all of you right now at the chat box to thank Pastor Mike uh, for his invitation? Now, since we are now left with 55 days before the end of the year, I felt that it would be befitting for me to share with you my message today based on the church team for this year. Now, I'm going to test you right now. I want you to participate with me, okay? Now, I just want to check how many of you still remember what is the theme for the church for this year. If you remember, can I ask all of you to type it in the chat box uh, so that I see if you still remember. Now, let's see. Huh? I prepared my handphone already. <laughs> so I'll be able to see the chat, check. Huh? All right, let's see if anyone gets it. See if anyone remember what is the theme of the church this year. Great, thank you, Pastor Mike, for telling me. Dot dot dot. (laughs) Nowadays we have to do church very differently already. You have to interact this way, you know. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. Then we have. All right. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone knows what is the theme of our church today? I'm hoping at least one. La. If not, then Pastor might have to key in himself already. <laughs> no? Coming soon. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Wow, we are very glad to have Jonathan all the way from Hong Kong tuning in. <laughs> now, don't worry. La. I don't want to torture you any more further. Now, you will remember the church team uh, for the past few years uh, since our 85th anniversary has always remained the same, and that is, rise up together in faith. Rise up together in faith. Now I know, now the first thing in your mind is like, why would a young minister like me preach on the theme of the church towards the end of the year? Now shouldn't this message uh, be preached early of the year or during the introduction of the theme? Now, if you remember what I've preached previously, I've mentioned this before. I deeply believe that the theme of the church isn't just slogan where we chant, you know, just get everyone motivated and that's it. But I deeply believe every theme of the church has to be the calling of the church. It must be God's calling for the church to act on. Say for example, for the past few years, we have team like Time, to renew, time to rebuke. Those were actually God's calling unto the church for us to renew and to rebuke. And we felt very timely, you know, during our 85th anniversary, To felt that, you know, it is really time for us to rise up, not only you yourself, but together as a church in faith. And that being said, in fact, I remember, I remember, Pastor Mike once said this in one of his messages. Alright? He said that, you know, we as Christ follower, alright, not only should start well, start off well, but should also end well. All right? It's not a matter of just starting it well as a Christian, but not ending it well. It matters as much as ending well too. And I believe that throughout this pandemic, all right, we have heard different messages. And most of the messages we heard during this pandemic has always been related to the message of faith, to the message of trust. And I'm not saying that no, all this message doesn't matter. I think it's true. All right? I think we should rise up in terms of our faith, in trusting the Lord. But I also felt that it is also time, it is also our call, for us as a church, as Christians, to rise up in order to refine our Christian living. So, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will open up all of our hearts and to prepare our hearts and let us smoothen the ground so that whatever the Lord chooses to speak to us this morning, it will touch us, you and me. So, without further ado, why don't we jump in straight uh, to the portion of scripture that we will be reading today, and that is from Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen to sixteen. Chapter uh, Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen uh, to twenty-six. Sorry. Right. Let me read it out to you. Verse thirteen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now after reading this, let me first give you some background on the book of Galatians. Now, although it is stated the book of Galatians, but Galatians is actually a letter. Written by Paul to the churches in Galatia. Now, in this letter, right, Paul actually states, all right, or describes how these churches in Galatia are starting to desert the gospel that they have received from Paul. Where here we see how these Judaism, people that have been advocating, advocating the tradition and custom of the Jewish faith to them. They are advocating that these Gentiles, all right, should go through the Jewish custom and their tradition. And that being said, circumcision included, now these believers in Galatia, which originally believed in Jesus and his salvation through faith, are slowly believing that it is through observance of the law and rituals that will eventually get them safe. And that is why, you know. Paul, in his letter, if you read the first few chapters, you know, Paul has been arguing, has been trying to prove uh, uh, his credibility, uh, his, how he gained his apostleship from the Lord himself, and tried to say, you know, the message that he delivers comes from the Lord, and not from any man. And he proves this, all this, just to show that, you know, that salvation through faith isn't a second-class message. Alright? Salvation are are obtained through faith. He argues that, you know, through the letter that, you know, he is someone appointed by the Lord himself to preach to the Gentiles. He also argues that one cannot be saved through the observance of law and ritual. Remember this. If salvation is only obtained through the observance of law, then Christ's death on the cross would be meaningless. Today, you and I need not to observe, or you and I won't be observing Holy Communion. But I want to remind you this, brothers and sisters, the death of Christ on the cross not only showed to us how much Christ loved us, we ought to be reminded also the death of Christ also depicts the power of the resurrection of Christ in defeating sin and death. And there is power in His resurrection. And through the observance of the Holy Communion, not only we reflect on His love, we are also reflecting some of our sinful habits and how Christ has given us power to overcome those. Now, like it or not, we we all ought to admit eh, that many times we have failed to live up to God's standard. Alright? In fact, if we are honest to ourselves, some of you could be still living under bondages. Some of you could be still living in your sinful habits. Some of you, you know, could be still harboring bitterness or hatred from your past relationship. And the list go on. Now, being a believer myself, alright, I must say that I have plenty of those moments, alright? I'm not perfect. I'm not here to judge you. In fact, I know it is hard. And as I was living a Christian life per se, we all were Christian, right? Then we always have this thought, you know, Oh, I've sinned. Then after we're reminded, we have to understand, you know, God has grace. Therefore, God will forgive. And sometimes because of that thought, we fall into temptation. Alright? We give ourselves that leeway to say, okay, God will forgive. It's okay to fall from time to time. Alright? Then, if you are a responsible Christian, after you sin, you'll feel guilty. If after you sin, you don't feel guilty, then... I think you ought to reflect yourself or, you know, check with Pastor Mike. Huh? But if you're a responsible Christian, after you sin, you should have that thought of feeling guilty of doing what you have did. And after you feel guilty, what would be the first thing that you do? Quickly pray the sinner's prayer. Oh Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry I did this, 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 and that. After that sinner's prayer, you felt a bit relieved. All right? But because you felt a bit relieved, relief, you know that God forgives you? You fall into the trap of abusing the grace. Where now, you fall into sin again. You fall into temptation. You start sinning. Then you start praying. You start sinning. And you start praying. After a few cycles, you felt that you have taken God's grace for granted. You felt that, you know, as a Christian, I should not be- behave in such manner. And because of this, some of you are very motivated now. Very, very motivated. No, I'm a Christian for many years. I shouldn't behave this way. I've taken God's grace for granted. I have to do something. So immediately, you push yourself to make sure you practice proper Christian living. You practice holiness in your life. You try, you succeeded for the first one month, two months, three months. Then suddenly you fall again. After you fall, then you felt like, Ayah, I am defeated again. I have to push myself again. Then you try again. You're motivated. You try to push. Then after that, you fail. You try to push, then you fail. Then after that, you say, I cannot behave like that. It seems as if I'm abusing God's grace. Then, you start to make a deal with God. You start to think Start to make a deal with God. This is how I say, Hey God, I make a deal with you huh, now. If I ever huh, sin again, if I ever do this again, alright? Then you punish me. Huh? Alright? You punish me with a headache, huh? a headache so bad that I will always remember so that I won't fall into sin again. Wow, sound very noble. Huh? And then or <laughs> if you are like me. You love to eat. You know, we are true Malaysian. Malaysian love to eat. Pastor Mike always say, Malaysians only eat one meal. Uh, from morning till midnight, we are still eating. Only one meal. Only. Right? If you are Malaysian, uh, then maybe you say, God, I've sinned. Uh, I think this is what I'll do. Okay? I'll, since I love food, let's make a deal. All right, If I sin again, I'll fast one whole week. I don't eat. I just drink. So that I reflect on my sin. And so on. Sounds very spiritual. Sounds very spiritual, isn't it? Wow. Say until like that, lah. like very king like that. Wah. Then, what you did is, even on the first meal itself, right? You talk about fasting. Then you see people like Christopher suddenly tap KFC. Wow. Lord, you are tempting me, la. Care not, la. God. How? How, God? Never mind, like I eat this meal. I'll make sure I, I prolong my fasting. I will I'll, 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 I'll prolong it till next week. After a while, you felt that well, you, just can't, you just can't get through it. You felt that, you know, well, it's so hard. Eh? You felt the burden of this punishment. Eh? is on you. Now, not only you sin and you offended God, now you add yourself another sin by breaking the promise you have with God by saying that you will fast and so on. Right? After a while, uh, you tend to feel, uh, wow, this is a vicious cycle. This is a vicious cycle. It's so hard that you will get through this. After a while, then you felt this, you, you start to think this. I actually can't beat this sin, you know. I can't, actually can't beat. Then, Slowly you felt since I cannot beat this sin. I uh, sin already ma. Then my as well continue to sin. I, uh, God will have grace, one uh, He will forgive one uh, let's just do it. Uh, let's just, uh, let's hope one day God will give me enlightenment uh. out of nowhere I'll be enlightened and I'll start changing myself. Uh. That's what you thought. Slowly you got yourself so beaten up, so beaten up you're laying flat on the ground, you slowly don't see there is any hope in winning this battle. Now, it is true, alright, and I'm not judging you, that some of us really struggle with this. It's not that we don't want to change. We want to change. But it's very hard. You're struggling. I think you don't know my situation. You know how much I've been struggling with this. I understand. I understand that. But at the same time, my brothers and sisters, those of you who are struggling, I ask you to persevere on and push on. But at the same time, I'm also worried that there could be some of us here that are starting to normalize this defeat. You are starting to say that it is okay to fail and to remain failing. You are slowly making it Part of your Christian living. And that is why sometimes we see some Christian abuse God's grace. Brothers and sisters, based on what I've just shared just now, I just want to know, I just want you to know this one thing. Okay? If today, if today you have those thoughts, and you think, you know, sometimes huh, by making a deal with God, right? by asking God to punish you. Or maybe some of you, like in Holy Communion Sunday, you felt that by partaking the Holy Communion, the sacrament together with my brothers and sisters, on a Sunday morning, would cause you to be holier, then you are very wrong. Then you are very wrong. You are the same, just like those that are in Galatia, where they felt that through works, it is where they gain salvation. I want you to know very sure today your sin and my sin were forgiven due to our faith in Christ. And that we believe that God is able to forgive not because of our deeds, nor our works but because He loves us. And as I was crafting this I suddenly reminded of this I'm not reminded suddenly I just have this phrase that comes to my mind and that is God don't need your work to show how much you have repented. God just needs you to work on your repentance. i repeat it again. God don't need your works to show how much you have repented but God only needs you to work on your repentance. As we are ending the year soon I felt that The Lord is giving us another calling. God is calling us. There is a new calling for the year 2022. And I think that we should do our best right now to start rising up. Rather than feeling beaten down from all our sin and our sinful habits and our bondages, we ought to rise up from it and to start living a life that truly pleases God. There is no point for us to observe the Holy Communion if we only think that we are to come before God just for an act, rather than to make an effort in fixing ourselves before the Lord. Didn't it state in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, where it says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord to obey it's better than sacrifice and to heat, it's better than the fat of rams. Now, so why am I pointing all this? Am I saying, the church should abolish Holy Communion ah, since obeying matters, you know. Holy Communion, is just an act. No, not at all. But I am saying that I'm asking you, I'm begging you to start to see when we all come before the Lord, stable, we should all come in all honesty. We should come before the Lord and say, God, we messed up real bad. And to remind ourselves that through the sacraments, Jesus has reminded us that He has broken His body and He has poured out His blood for us in order to redeem us. Let us not come to the Lord's table this morning to be reminded that you and I because we are living in the grace era, we can start abusing God's grace. Let us be reminded that while the Lord loves us so much, His ultimate love should not be taken lightly, but rather in all seriousness. The Holy Communion should once again remind us that we were sinners and so unworthy But still for us, He chose to die. And by now I hope to those of you who knew me, you would know that I'm not standing here this morning high and mighty judging you. Because I would say, because in the past, I have to live in those situations that I've just pointed out. I too have thought by making a deal with the Lord could actually make myself at least to cheat myself that you know I could feel better after I fulfill those promises or those deals that I have. Who am I to judge you when I myself are once like that too? You know, I've gone through this over and over and sometimes I feel so beaten up till a point I even have this thought of giving up my dear brothers and sisters, today I stand before you to urge you, to encourage you, to push you on, and to ask you not to give up. It's tough, yes, but don't give up. In fact, I want to give you a good news. And this good news is that God has offered a way out for us from our situation. And this is found in the scripture that we have just read. In verse, th- in verse 18 it states, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this leads me to my first point. Rise up. Now, I know what you are thinking. Uh, most probably you are thinking, well, then what you say is that we should rise above the law, lah, right? Now, <laughs> rise above the law does have negative connotation. Lah. I'm not asking you to rebel against the government, nor I ask you to rebel against Pastor Mike, nor the church. But I want you to look in context. Paul, in his writing, was writing to the believers, especially the Gentiles, uh, that were pressed by the law. In fact, the Judaizers are pressing for the Gentiles to adhere to the Jewish laws, And this was the issue that the Gentiles were facing. And if I were to apply the principle of this verse to ourselves, we ought to ask ourselves, what is the thing that actually pressed us at this moment? What is pressing us down at this moment? If bondages is pressing you down, is beating you down, I want you to know that God has offered a way out. And that is to let the Holy Spirit lead you. And that is to let the Holy Spirit lead us. And once we are led by Him, we are no longer pressed down by our bondages, by our sin, by our situation. But now, you and I, Rise above it. The Bible says that in verse 24 that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. Hallelujah! Today you and I no longer need to live in bondages. As we surrender our sins, our bondages to Jesus, Jesus carries all this with him on the cross, and those were all nailed on the cross. Making bondages, all your bondages, all your sin, in Jesus' name, no longer commands over your life. Because all of these are all dead before the cross. They are all powerless before our Lord. But remember this. Today you and I are overcoming our situation, our bondages, and rising above it, not through works but through the Holy Spirit. Now some of you may ask, Wow, sage so easy. How can I be led by the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, it starts off with you believing Him, right? Because how can you be led by someone that you do not trust? And after trusting Him, you ought to sincerely surrender your situation, your thoughts, your bondages, your sin, your habits. To Him. And allow Him. Alright, this is very important. A lot of people surrender. That's it. Surrendering also means allow Him to have a say in your life. I repeat. Surrendering also means you ought to allow God to have a say in your life. And that includes you following all the instructions. And I'm sure that if we were to do that, we would definitely rise above our situation. Now, Some of you may come to me and say, Of course, but you say it's easier said than done. La. You know, besides, Nick, uh, you don't understand one. Sometimes uh, fighting this journey alone uh, can be very lonely and tough. In fact, uh, the chances of us returning to our old ways uh, are way higher. And you're right, I wouldn't disagree with you because that's a reality. That is something that I've gone through that too. But that is why we are not doing it alone. That is why we should not do it alone, but rather to do it together. And this leads me to my second point, and that is togetherness. Now, if I were, uh, if I can, if you allow me, can I ask you, to type in the chat, this point, togetherness. In verse 13, 14 states, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Now Paul, through this scripture, advocated that no, while you are called to be freer, The freedom that you obtain should be used in order to serve one another. He is calling for those, today those of you in church, in your small group, that have succeeded overcoming your situation, that have rise above your situation. You shouldn't short-sendiri and just lay back enjoying the freedom you have. But the freedom that you obtain should cause you to serve others who are in need, others who have the same situation that you have once gone through. Some of you may have already overcome your situation, but I want to ask how many of you actually have shared those experiences you have to those who are still struggling and to serve them. Now, were you embarrassed? wanting to share some of your dark history to the people around you or to the people who are in need. Now, I'm not here to enforce you to share your embarrassing moments or the ugly moments of your life to everyone. If you're comfortable, share with those whom you trust or especially those who are really in need. Of course, you know, if you ask me, I would love to see one day that everyone would be able to freely share what they have gone through in the past, their ugly moments, to other people so that the body of Christ would be edified without afraid of other people judging you. But in reality is, brothers and sisters, we all know the church is not perfect, right? Some people, you know, might be, you know, in Cantonese, they say very tall how they like to gossip, Sometimes your goodwill of wanting to help others then turn out to be a rumour being spread. Sometimes it does happen. But I ask you, you know, if you have those experiences that you have overcome and the Lord has placed in you that conviction for you to share, do it prayerfully. Ask the Lord to lead. I'm pretty sure what you have shared will not only edify those who are in need, you too will be edified by your own sharing. In fact, if you think about it, isn't the very act of sharing depicts the true meaning of communion? Today, when we come before the Lord's table, we are not only doing it between us and God, but also with other believers. We come together before the Lord's table with all our other brothers and sisters together. In fact, in the words of high school musical, you know those youngsters we have known, we are all in this together. Holy communion isn't just about personal. It's not person it's not only personal, but it's also communal. And I pray that this morning as we observe the Holy Communion, or every month as we observe the Holy Communion, we are reminded that not only we are grateful to the works that the Lord has done on the cross, but we will also be reminded that we were commanded to fulfill the law in one command, and that it is, love your neighbor as yourself. And to, simply to put it, it means to serve one another. Now, now that we have gone through the first part of the theme, Rise up and work together. Let us not also forget the most important part of the team, and that is my last point: in faith. In faith. Verse twenty-five states, "Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit." Verse twenty-five states that not only we are led by the, we are live, not only we live by the Spirit, we should also keep in step with Him. Now, have you ever wondered how can one keep in step with the Holy Spirit? Now, I believe then most of you will give me very general answer. Hi, yeah. Following after Jesus, lah. True. But if I were to show you this question, what does it mean to follow after Jesus? Or well, maybe now some of you become more bold already. You will answer me loudly uh, if you are in a physical service. Uh, you will say, following Jesus means following all the rules and laws stated in the Bible. Lah. Come on, eh, you are the pastor and still you don't know. Ah. Right? Now, I won't let <laughs> hear me, right? You're right. Right? It means following the laws and the structure that the Lord has given us. But I want to challenge you to think deeper. All right? I want to challenge you to think critically. If we were to once again observe all these rules and laws, does that not make us the same as the Judaism? Didn't the Judaizer also advocate the same, that we should follow all the rulings and all the laws in the Bible? Now, don't get me wrong. Huh? I have to repeat this a million times. Huh? Don't get me wrong. Huh? I am not stating huh, that your answers is incorrect. And because we don't want to be like the Judaizer, we don't need to follow all the rules, all the laws stated in the Bible. But I would like to challenge you this, to think deeper. In fact, I'll give you a scenario so that I can depict the point that I want to depict, and that is faith. Now, let's just imagine this. Today, all of you here, all of my audiences here online, you are all a 10-year-old kid. All of you are 10-year-old. Then one day, one day, both a stranger, as well as your parents, come to you. Both of them come to you at the same time and say, Hey, little boy, hey son, I would like to bring you to a beautiful place. And this beautiful place is called Mozambique. Now if I were to ask you this, who would you now follow? I think all of you would know where am I trying to get to, right? What am I getting at, right? Would you be following the stranger or would you be following your parents? None of us would be following the strangers, right? Because, like it or not, following someone requires the element of trust. Now let's continue with this analogy, alright? Let's continue this. Now that you agree to follow your parents in Mozambique, alright, you trust my parents will bring me to a beautiful place. But you don't know the place for. Right? So you have tons of questions in your mind. You start thinking, where is this place called Mozambique? All right. You could innocently, like some of us here, ask, is Mozambique next to Wakanda? Uh, does, uh, do Black Panther lives in Mozambique? Do Black Panther visit Mozambique from time to time? You have a lot of questions. You're like, you know, how will it look like? You know, how does Mozambique actually look like? I really want to know. And you will be asking, how can we get there? How long till we are there? Tons of questions. Uh, and I understand this. I'm not a parent myself. But I have the privilege of looking after my nephew, right? I will understand the struggle of my brother. Alright? Sometimes kids just have Lots of questions that you are just too lazy to answer. And sometimes it becomes so technical, they will keep asking you why to a point. Even if I explain to you, you won't understand why I explain to you. So I understand the struggle of parents. Uh, parents, you have my utmost respect. <laughs> you, know, you love your kids so much. You answer all your kids' questions. I understand it's a struggle. It's tough. But sometimes as parents, you don't answer all of their questions, isn't it? Right? You might answer some, but not all. But parents, these parents also assure us. You know, sometimes they cannot give us very technical answer, but they always assure us. Come on, son, trust me. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful place. So trust me. Just follow me. Now with this situation, say, how many of you will actually trust your parents and follow your parents to Mozambique? Is say, okay, la, my parents say it's beautiful. I'll follow. La. Now, I'm sure, right, some of you will actually say, of course we would. I trust my parents. I know that my parents will bring me to a nice place. But now, there are also some of you that are more street smart ones, huh? the more, uh, in Cantonese, uh, we call land like, <laughs> You know, you, you tend to think you know everything. Especially with the advancement of technology. Uh. I don't even ask you, uh. I ask Google, McCann, uh, right? So, what do you do? These so called mature kids uh, start to think to yourself. since you don't want to answer me, I find my own answer. Uh. Right? And what do they do? They start checking on their own, they do their own research, then they Google Mozambique. And then these are the results that you get the moment you check on Mozambique. Right? That is the next picture, right? You get to see Mozambique is actually the top five poorest country in the world. Then later on, uh, you start searching the image part, uh, you get to see this picture. (laughs) Voila! Mozambique is filled with slums. Now, okay. uh, After you seeing this, right, how many of you will still be interested in going to Mozambique? Okay, please don't get me wrong. Ah, huh? to those of you audiences that are saying Mozambique, I'm not criticizing your country. All right, I'm just trying to show analogy. All right, I think Mozambique it's a beautiful place, but sometimes when we look at it, we go and find our own answer. Sometimes from trust, we tend to U-turn. All right, we immediately U-turn and say, okay, that's it. I don't want to go. And I think that's the problem with most of us. We start to judge things based on our own perception. When we see something that is not pleasing, we immediately jump the gun and thought that, hey, I thought God said He's going, me, going to bring me to a beautiful place, somewhere nice. But when I look at it, this is not a pleasant place at all. No, there's not some place that I really want to go. Not only we choose to believe in our own perception to make it worse, you don't give God a chance to explain. You don't give God a chance to show you the destination that He's actually wanting to bring us. You only see what you want to see. But what if God say, the place that I want to bring you in Mozambique is this. beautiful, isn't it? I don't think even Langkawi has this beautiful scene. Or even like the next picture. Wouldn't this be some of your destination, wedding or honeymoon places that you want to go? Maybe Alina is considering to go to Mozambique. (laughs) What if this is the place that God actually wants to bring us? Brothers and sisters, we always say God, it's good All the time, you know. We ought to believe that God actually only wants to prepare the best for us. But sometimes, He does ask us to trust in Him and follow Him with faith. Keeping in step with the Spirit is likened to us following our parents to that destination. Now, we do not know where it is, all right? Along the road, you know, as you are traveling, you might see a lot of places that are not so pleasant food. Along the way, you might see slums here and there. But the Lord asks us, our parents ask us, don't stop at those places. Yes, you might see this, but don't stop. Keep moving. Keep following. Now you may say, what if we fall? Right? What if I can't catch up to God? What if I can't catch up my, to my parents? Now, I don't believe the moment you fall, all right, God will actually say, all right, guys, uh, since you fall too bad, lah, you stay behind, lah, I'm moving forward. I, I got an agenda to catch, you know, I got schedule that I'm going to. Goodbye, lah, stay there. Lah. I don't think any parents would have behaved that way. What will you do? The moment you fall, what will your parents do? The first thing is their mind is that. They will run towards you and to tend to your wounds. And that is the same with our God above, our perfect Father above. He will tend to your wounds before helping you up, picking you up again, and to walk towards the destination that you're supposed to go. In summary, all I want to share is this as we come before the Lord's table to partake of communion this morning, some of us here, or each of us here, come with a different agenda. Some of you might just want to come to the Lord's table, you know, just to take your meal and then to leave. Or some of you might be very focused in engaging the Lord, but start ignoring your other brothers and sisters that are at the table. Or some of you may be busy engaging other brothers and sisters during the communion, but have forgot the very host himself. Now if above were all our practices or all your agenda, may I challenge you this day to start changing your mindset and to start to look at the call of the church. The call that the Lord has placed in our church for the past three years. Three years, my brothers and sisters, the Lord has been asking us to rise up together in faith. Rise up from what you may ask. Rise up from your fall in temptation. Rise up from the current bondages that you are still in. Rise up from the lack of faith that you are still in. Rise up from the difficult situation that you are in and the list goes on it calls us as the church to rise up right to pick ourselves up to pick ourselves up from our laziness to pick ourselves up from our ignorance to pick ourselves up from your lack of passion and your lack of your lack of passion to serve not only God but to serve others Now, if you think you can't do it, if you think you're all alone and you can't do it, then know this. You're wrong. You're not alone at all. The call isn't just a personal call, it is a call to the church. There are many brothers and sisters whom I have chatted throughout the pandemic where I have seen that they have grown tremendously. Was it because they were lucky nothing hit, hit them? None of them had financial difficulties? They were having a stable life and so on? No. In fact, if you hear them well enough, if I'm surprised. How can they live in such a state and still show their smile whenever I ask them? And that is because they felt that even though they were facing this, they still find some support from some brothers and sisters. More importantly, the Lord has assured them and they have seen how the Lord has been leading them all this time. The Lord called us to rise up and not to be beaten down. In fact, if I may say this, in fact, I want to say this to you. The work on the cross is finished. Today, nothing you and I can do that will add effect to the works on the cross. Sin has already been defeated once and for all. Alright? And because it is defeated, today nothing, I'll repeat again, nothing can beat us down because we have already had the victory. But, my brothers and sisters, today the call lies in you. The call lies with you. Whether you want to stay down and to be beaten down at the boxing ring, or would you want to rise up and to give all you've got and to partner with God in this fight? Here is your God, the perfect coach, They have zero losses and 100% win rate. True, in a boxing ring, you might have taken a blow or two. But he assured us, so long you continue to keep in step with him, so long you continue to follow after his instruction, at the end of that round, you will win. At the end of that round, you will win. Some of you might think, you know, Nick, it's already at the end of the year. It's towards the end of the year. I think it's too late to start now. But brothers and sisters, if you think this way, let me encourage you with this. Today has been a message that is very tough for me as I was preparing. It's not an easy message to prepare. It's not those messages that will make people, you know, feel happy, go lucky. It calls for us to really reflect on our life and to take action for our life, isn't it? But if I'm convinced, in which I am, that this morning God is using me to preach this message to you, then ask ourselves this question, why did God choose this time to deliver this message to you? Is it because it's too late? Just to tease you? Okay, too bad. I just want to know you don't make it but I still want to tease you. Nonsense. Uh, I don't believe God is that way. Uh, right? I'm pretty sure God has His reason why He still wants to deliver uh, the message on church team when we are still 55 days before it ends. Maybe it is a call from God to once again to remind us to pick ourselves up so that next year we will all be ready to receive His new calling for the church. It is true that you and I may have setbacks, you you and I may have failed in the past, but brothers and sisters, today and just like any other day, I've said this over and over again, Today, you are not alone. You may be alone at your house, but I want to assure you, you have a church behind you. Today, we ought to know that we have a great God leading us in front and we have good brothers and sisters around us to support us whenever we fall. Praise the Lord. Amen. And at the end of my message, I would love all of you to respond to this message with a song that I've picked, and I think it was it's something that is meaningful. And later on I will be inviting the worship team to lead us in singing those. And I want to challenge you this, right? Like any other time, whenever I ask for altar call. As you sing this, sing the song, don't focus on the melody. Don't focus on the worship leader. Wow, how this worship leader harmonized. Or how this pianist uh, has played it so well. But rather focus on the lyrics. Use those lyrics as your form of prayer to God. And I assure you, you will be touched as much as I have as I was meditating on these lyrics in praying to God. So before I pass the time to the worship team, I would like to first lead you all in a word of prayer, responding to the message this morning. Come, let's pray. Father, I just want to hand all of my dear brothers and sisters here before you. Truly, O Lord, even as we reflect, or even as I prepare the message to see how you, O God, has called for the church and to give us a consistent calling for the past three years, there must be a reason why you have placed this in the church. It may be time for us to really reflect on our life and to pick up our life from now. It is time for us not to to start looking at your grace in a more serious manner, rather in a lightly manner. Maybe it is time for us to once again, like days like this, this morning as we come before your table to partake the Holy Communion, we are reminded once again in Holy Communion while we have that personal relationship with you, it is also communal for the Church to commune with our dear brothers and sisters together at the table and the fellowship that we have. Lord, you say that the law is fulfilled in this one command and there is love your neighbour as yourself. Therefore, Lord, I pray whatever we have made in the past, whatever mistakes, setbacks, whatever problems that we may face, bondage sin. seen. Oh Lord, as we come before you this morning, we want to surrender all of our thoughts to you and we we'll start wanting to make the decision to say, Lord, we want to rise up from this generation. We want to rise up for this problem that we face. We want to rise up from this situation, O oh Lord. We all rise up from the bondages that we are facing, the sinful habits that we we are encountering right now. And Lord, we know we are not doing this alone because we have our good brothers and sisters behind us to support us and we will do it together as a body of Christ, trusting in faith in your leading. And I believe as we end well this year, the church will be prepared to receive our calling next year. That we will all will be Christians that are empowered to entrust, to enlarge. Therefore, Lord, I hand all my brothers and sisters this morning, be it believers or non-believers, entirely into your hand. I pray that, Lord, your message speak into us and this message will be stored in our hearts and to remind us to live on, to end well this year and to live a life that pleases you. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, let's hand the time to the worship team as they lead us in this song. too small in my eyes Oh Lord Forgive me And I have believed in a lie That you were unable to help me But now Self strong and in my eyes and with my soul.